0: Children, you may be dismissed for your classes. Amen. It's good to have Pastor Rick with us this morning. The devil's a liar. Yeah. And if you're a New Yorker, the devil's a chump. Yeah. Which is the same thing. Amen. And I'm so grateful that God had his hand on Pastor Rick, that he went before him, knowing the situation, stayed the hand of the wicked one. And that we still have our beloved Pastor Rick. I am grateful for that. I'm grateful for that. Amen. So let's... uh. Turning our Bibles to Acts chapter 3 at verse 19, we're going to continue with the subject of repentance. And why are we going to continue with the subject of repentance? Woo. (laughs) Easy there. (laughs) Because we're over the target. How do we know we're over the target? Because the enemy tried to take out the leader. Amen. So we're going to keep pushing the target. Amen. So Acts chapter 3 verse 19 Therefore repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Amen. So we here at Full Gospel Center, we've been at, on the subject of repentance for quite a number of weeks. Repentance is the gift. Remember, repentance is the gift God has given to us as believers to return To the Lord. As Pastor said, repentance is also a weapon that clears the table and allows you to get closer to the Lord. Amen? And repentance helps us refocus and prioritize what is right and wrong in our walk. When Jesus was speaking to the churches in Revelation, he told them what was right and he told them what was wrong. See, and it's, and it's the same thing in our lives. When, Jesus, when we get before Jesus, Jesus sees what's right and he sees what's wrong. And so the things that are wrong in our life, those things we need to repent of. Amen? Amen? Amen, so as much as, as Jesus was speaking to the church and telling them, listen, these things are good, but not so good here, we need to focus here because this is where, where you need to repent. And so we need to be able to be honest with the Lord because it's a loving relationship. I can come to the Lord and, and I, can, I can say, Lord, I need to repent, I need to get this right. And repentance is not a one and done thing. I don't say with my mouth I repent and then continue doing the same thing that I'm doing. Repentance is a turn, and sometimes it's a really slow turn. But a slow turn is still a turn regardless. Amen? Yes. Amen. So let's, uh, let's keep turning. Repentance reignites our passion for Jesus. In any relationship at times, things get cold. Things get stale. Things get common. I know you. You know, we keep doing, we're doing the same things over and over again. And so our love for one another can grow stale, can grow cold, can grow callous. And the same thing happens in our relationship with the Lord. The longer you walk with him, you begin to become familiar with Jesus instead of pushing into Jesus. Jesus becomes a part of our walk instead of us becoming a part of his walk. Amen? And so repentance really refocuses and prioritizes who am I following? Am I following Jesus or am I following the world or am I following my own stubborn heart? And so it begins to refocus and prioritize what are the things I need to do to get myself right with the Lord. Amen? Repentance is the call that goes out to those who have ears to hear. See, some will say, "Yeah, yeah, yeah you know, uh, I, I, I repented when I when I got when I accepted the Lord, and I, I'm I'm good." But repentance really is a call that goes out for those that hear what the Spirit is saying to the church today. Jesus visited seven churches in the Book of Revelation and called five of them to repentance. The church at Ephesus, the loveless church, but I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Therefore, remember from where you have fallen and repent and do the deeds you did at first or else I am coming to you and will remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent. The church of Pergamum, the compromising church. But I have a few things against you because you have there some who hold to the teaching of Balaam, who kept teaching Balak to put, stumbling block, put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel. To eat things sacrifice to idols and to commit acts of immorality, so you also have some who are in the same way hold to the teachings of the Nicolaitans. Therefore, repent, or else I am coming to you quickly, and I will make war against them with the sword. So we have the the we have the loveless church who, who left their first love, and then we have the compromising church who started right with the Lord, but then something got in between the Lord and their relationship, and they, they basically said, you take care of this, we're going to go live our own life. And so what happened was they compromised with the world, and Jesus had an issue with that. The church of Thyatira, the corrupt church, but I have this against you that you tolerate the woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and she teaches and she teaches and leads my bond servants astray so that they commit acts of immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, listen to this, and she does not want to repent of her immorality. Behold, I will throw her on a bed of sickness and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation unless they repent of her deeds. Revelations 2, 20 through 22 The church of Sardis, the dead church. To the angel of the church of Sardis write, he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, say this, I know your deeds, that you have a name and that you are alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen the things that remain, which were about to die, for I have not found your deeds completed in sight of my God. So remember what you have received and heard and keep it and Repent. Therefore, if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I will come to you. So God gives some remedy to the dead church, to the church of Sardis, and he tells them to remember what you received and heard, keep it and repent. And so there's a remedy here for us. We need to remember what we've seen and heard. We need to keep it and we need to repent. Amen? It's not one thing to hear this message then go outside and, and, and out the doors and, and and keep the status quo. We need to hear, we need to receive and we need to repent. This, is, this was a remedy to the dead church, that the church in Laodicea, the disgusting church, or the lukewarm church. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm, and neither, cold, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Because you say I am rich, and have become, and have become wealthy, and have need of nothing and you do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I advise you to buy for me gold refined by fire so that you may become rich, and white garments so that you may clothe yourself, and that the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed, and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love I reprove and discipline. Therefore, be zealous and repent see repentance is not a judgment call it's not a it's not a call of pointing a finger and and hollering at you it's a it's as Jesus says here those whom I love I call to repentance I l- let me let me read it again because I, I want to get it right what it says here those whom I love I reprove and discipline therefore be zealous and repent so Jesus is saying listen I love you and, and I want I'm calling you to repentance because I want want this relationship to continue. I want the fire to burn again. And so, um, if you will, turn in your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 5, I mean chapter 15, excuse me. We're going to start in verse 19. But repentance comes with benefits, and we all love benefits. What's the definition of benefits? What's in it for me? Right, that's the benefits. If you will turn into Mike Grazioso, dictionary and look up benefits that's exactly what it would say what's in it for me marriage has benefits pastor Rick is like trying to sell a yugo on, on a mercedes life <laughs> marriage has benefits yeah if you don't think marriage has benefits go back to 7th grade sex education class and understand marriage has benefits Marriage has benefits, okay? And it's not only a Relation, it's a relationship thing. Uh, listen, where I'm weak, Jill, is, Jill has strengths that I do not have. Where Jill is weak, I have strengths that she does not have. So what happens? The two become one flesh, and we begin to rely on each other. There's an intimacy that, that happens here. I'm able to go and say, you know, I'm really struggling here, and I really don't know how to get through this, but I'm relying on you and our relationship to, because you're not struggling here, and I can I can rely on you. I can be honest with you. I can be open with you. I can be transparent with you. So intimacy, help me help me through this. There's a benefit here. I'm not going through my struggle alone. Marriage has its benefits. Marriage has its benefits because we have children. Still trying to get rid of that you go, Pastor Rick, it ain't working. <laughs> children are a benefit, okay? I get, I get to watch my child grow. I, watch, I get to watch my child succeed. I get to watch my child fail. I get to have a relationship with my, with my daughter. I get to watch through her eyes as she experiences life. Listen, children, Yes, yeah, sure. They, they can be annoying sometimes. They can be sassy. They can try, you know. They can stick out their chest and try you. But we, we love them. We care for them. We provide for them. They're a gift from the Lord. Amen. So, marriage has its benefits. You know, when I was single in a... You know, and I used to get off work and go home. though It was all quiet. So I said, that sounds like a benefit. <laughs> but I like going home and there's three dogs barking. And then Isabel comes around, daddy, daddy, daddy. And they hear, hi, honey. I'd rather that noise than the quiet. I mean, there's a joy to coming home like that. You know, when you come home, you throw your keys and it's nothing. That's, you know, that's pretty beneficial. (laughs) No, The benefit to marriage is beautiful in that. Employment, there's benefits to your employment. Nobody goes for a job interview and says, listen, I don't really want to get paid. I don't want health insurance. I don't want, you know, I don't want a lunch hour. I don't want vacation time. I don't want sick time. I just want to work. (laughs) Says no one. When we go for a job interview, we're thinking, what are the benefits? Listen, I want to work for you, but what's in it for me? What's the trade-off? Health insurance. You know, a a paycheck. Time off. Vacation time. Sick time. Employment has benefits. Full gospel center has benefits. We have an awesome pastor. Right? We have an awesome congregation. We have an awesome worship team. We have an awesome presence of the Lord. There's benefits to coming to church on a Sunday or Wednesday. I benefit from it. You know, I could come in here, oh, and I could leave like, woo, right? I could come in here feeling, you know, oh, I've sinned, and I can leave experiencing the mercy of God and the cleansing blood of Jesus. <laughs> there's benefits to coming to Full Gospel Center. Amen. America has benefits. Being an American has benefits. There's blessings, there's freedom. I know everything is under attack and I'm not going to get political because that's not the time here. But America has benefits. If it were not so, our southern border wouldn't be overrun. America has benefits. And so we see that and we've experienced it. Life has benefits. Listen, we've all gone through tough times in our lives. You know, I've had rough times. I've had good times. I've had ugly times. I've had bad times. I've had crazy times. I've had all those times. But I can tell you, life is good. And it's been beneficial to be alive. I am grateful for the life that God has given me. I've had more moms than I don't. I really have. I've had biological moms. I've had forced moms. I've had spiritual moms. I've had moms. So, like, I don't have a happy Mother's Day. I have a happy Mom's Day. You know, so there, my life is, if, if I were to expire, just go, I, I, I don't leave happy. No, look, Turn around and look and say, man, God, you've so blessed my life. Life has benefits. You know, if, if you look at your life and you're, you really need to look at the, your life as a whole and where God has been in your life and really be able to say, you know what? God has been good to me. Life is good. And life has been a benefit to me. Amen. Amen. And so repentance has benefits. Let's look at Jeremiah chapter 15. Starting in verse 19, we're going to cover three, um, just three verses. Therefore, this is what the Lord says. If you repent, I will restore you that you may serve me. If you utter worthy, not worthless words, you will be my spokesman. Let this people turn to you, but you must not turn to them. I will make you a wall to this people, a fortified wall of bronze. They will fight against you, but will not overcome you. For I am with you to rescue and save you, declares the Lord. I will save you from the hand of the wicked and deliver you from the grasp of the cruel. Amen? Amen. So there are benefits to repentance there are five benefits but because of time I'm going to cover three and I will I will give you the last two benefits all right amen amen, amen. so the five benefits of repentance the first benefit is renewed servanthood he said in his scripture if you repent He says, if you repent, I will restore you that you may serve me. And so we see the first benefit is renewed servanthood. See, serving out of a place of renewed or restored, it's, it's, it's a place of serving out of renewed or restored passion instead of duty, calling, or gifting. See, I can get so used to my gifting, I can get so used to my calling that I do it out of duty, not out of passion. I can get so used to doing something in the church that I do it because, well, I do it. And I do it because I'm asked to do it instead of I do it because I do it unto the Lord. And so one of the benefits for repentance is that there's a renewed uh, desire to serve. Now I'm, not, now I'm serving, I'm serving out of passion. I'm serving, serving out of a, a renewed relationship with the Lord. I'm serving with, with new zeal. I begin to ask what else can be done Amen. instead of just doing the bare minimum. I'm, I'm, the, the blessings or the benefits of repentance is that when the call goes out, we act just like Isaiah. Here I am, Lord, send me. You know, when we first got saved, we we asked God, oh, God, use me, God, use me, God, use me. God used you, and then you felt used. (laughs) And you got all angry at it. God, I wanted to be used, and they used me, and I used me, and now I feel used. Well, God says, but you asked me to use you, and I used you. Yeah, but I didn't know I was going to get used. (laughs) But when we repent... And the, and the Spirit of God begins to minister to us, we begin to desire to be ser- to serve again. We begin to desire to say to God, use me again, Lord. I'm sorry that I dropped the thing that I asked the first time, and that I took an attitude towards servanthood. So the first benefit, as, as, the, as the Lord is speaking to, uh, to the prophet Jeremiah, and he, and he says, you know, if you repent, I will restore you that you may serve me. And so God says, look, as we repent, what's going to happen is you're going to have a renewed passion to serve. And you're going to have a new vision of when it comes what what servanthood means. See, you think you're serving people, but you're actually serving me. So if you're actually serving me, you're going to, to do it with a different attitude, with a different heart, with a different mindset. And so we begin to serve the Lord with renewed passion or restored passion instead of out of duty, out of calling, or out of gifting. I, start going, I stop going through the motions. I look for new ways to serve others. I find joy in using my gifts again. In 1972, NASA launched the exploratory space probe Pioneer 10. According to Leon Javroff in Time Magazine, the satellite's primary mission was to reach Jupiter, photograph the planet and its moons and beam data to Earth about Jupiter's magnetic field, radiation belts, and atmosphere. Scientists regarded this as a bold plan, for at the time, no Earth satellite had ever gone beyond Mars, and they, f- they feared the asteroid belt would destroy the satellite before it could reach its target. But Pioneer 10 accomplished its mission and much, much more. Swinging past the giant planet in November 1973, Jupiter's immense gravity hurled Pioneer 10 at a higher rate of speed towards the edge of the solar system. At one billion miles from the sun, Pioneer 10 passed Saturn. At some two billion miles, it passed another planet. Neptune at nearly three billion miles. Pluto at almost four billion miles. By 1997, 25 years after its launch, Pioneer 10 was more than six billion miles from the sun. And despite that immense distance, Pioneer 10 continued to beam back radio signals to scientists on Earth. Perhaps most remarkable, writes Jaroff, those signals emanate from an eight-watt transmitter which radiates about as much power as a bedroom nightlight and takes more than nine hours to reach Earth. The little satellite that could was not qualified to do what it did. Engineers designed Pioneer 10 with a useful life of just three years, but it kept going and going and going by simple longevity. It's tiny eight-watt transmitter radio accomplished more than anyone thought possible. So it is. When we ourselves, when when we offer ourselves to serve the Lord, God can work even through someone with eight watt abilities. God cannot work, however, through someone who quits. See, as we offer ourselves in service in service to the Lord, renewed service, God takes us further than we thought we could actually go. And the little bit of energy that we have, that eight watt transmitter. God says, yeah, that's enough power for me to use because it's really not your power that I'm working on. I'm working it through my power. And so he says, I want to take you further in servanthood than you ever thought you could possibly go. You can say, well, I just want to, I'm just going to start cleaning toilets. I did. I'm just going to vacuum carpets. Right? I did. I'm just going to serve in Sunday school. I did. I'm going to serve in the youth, path in in the youth. I did. Do you understand what I'm saying? God, whatever service you give to the Lord, stick to it. Because promotion comes from the Lord. Amen? You stay with that. God says, oh, you've been faithful with the little. Let me give you some more. But you see, if you're faithful with little and then take an attitude with little and give up little, that's all you had was? And you get really disappointed with little. Well, you know, I was doing this in the church and then nothing happened, you know. uh, uh, Pick up where you last left off. Stay humble and thankful for little and God will give you increase. Amen? Amen. Amen. So the benefit, the first benefit is renewed servanthood. The, The second benefit is your words will produce results He says to him, if you speak worthy words, not worthless words, you will be my spokesman. That right there is enough for a price of admission right there. If you speak worthy words, not worthless words, you will be my spokesman. Imagine being a spokesman for Jesus. Amen. imagine being a spokesman for the Lord at your job. Imagine being a spokesman for the, for the Lord at your school. Imagine being a spokesman for the Lord when you're picking up a cup of coffee. Yeah. Imagine being a spokesman for the Lord wherever you may be at any given moment. Yeah. But here's the thing. It requires something. Isaiah said this, woe is me for I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell among a people with unclean lips. We have to begin, if we're going to repent, we not only need to repent of what's going on in our heart, we need to repent on what's going out of our mouth, amen? amen. See, we speak a lot of words and sometimes those words are not right and God is listening. I want to ask you two questions. Two questions. And these two questions are this. Do we speak the same way as unbelievers do? See, if I'm getting in a conversation with someone and and I'm acting in the same way that they're acting, I'm speaking in the same way that they're speaking, and then I want to tell them about the Lord, what's the difference? Hey, wait a minute. To them, that's like, where'd that come from? That just came out of left field. And then you expect them to receive it, but it bounces off. Because we've not weighed the weight of our own words. The next thing, the question I have to ask you is: Do you talk more about earthly things or heavenly things? See, from so much connected to people on a worldly basis, how can we tell them about spiritual things? Well, what's going on in heaven, Pastor Mike? How do I speak about what's going on in heaven? Well, Jesus told me that. Jesus told us this: Believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I wouldn't have told you. But because it's true, I'm going to a place. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. That as when I'm, when I'm done, I'm going to come back and get you. So that you can be with me forever. Well, what's going on in heaven? He's building us a place to live. So, for, you know, when you get tired of paying the mortgage, understand. Your, your house has been paid in full up in heaven. Price has been paid. And Jesus worked on it. And he wasn't a union worker, so it came out pretty good. (laughs) Last week, me and Isabella were... Did I say Isabella or did I say Isabella? Help me out with that. There was an R at the end of that? Sorry about that. My pizza and my Honda. (laughs) That is Brooklyn. But anyway, I was speaking with Isabella. And uh, we were driving and she said, Daddy, can can you turn on Billie Eilish? I said, all right, I'll put on Billie Eilish. She goes, no, Daddy, it's Billie Eilish. I'm like, whatever. (laughs) And so we're listening to the song, and and when the song I said, Isabella, I I didn't really like that. It had some cursing in it, and she didn't say anything. You know, I just, you know. And I had some laundry, and I'm walking down the stairs, and I bang my head on the wall. A few minutes ago, I was talking about someone else cursing when I just did so how can I judge someone else's mouth when I haven't repented of my own amen see our words have weight and they have meaning and not only that but our words do get recorded in a book yeah I know that's the thing. When we get sometimes we, we gloss over things, but the Bible says when we get up there, and then the books were opened, and every deed that was spoke. Do you understand what I'm saying? Amen. We think we're going to cruise by this, but you know what? There's some things we're going to be held accountable before the judgment seat of Christ, and some of those things are going to be our words. And so we have to, if we're going to repent, we have to watch what we say. With our words listen if I'm getting into a conversation with someone you know I gotta say you know listen brother I love you and I'd love to have this conversation but I'm really wanting to hold my tongue and do what's right before the Lord Amen. now that'll stop that conversation and then some they may say they may even challenge what are you talking about you we were just talking about this last week yes that was last week but this is this week and I'm really trying to do what's right by God by my God And they'll challenge you on that and they'll try you and they'll watch you. And I'll tell you something. You may fail, but if you keep at it, you won't fail for very long. Amen. Amen. Because you begin to watch what comes out of your mouth. (laughs) The Bible tells us that the tongue is hard to tame. There's a prayer I want to give you. And we need to ask God to change our language. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. This is something that probably each and every one of us needs to say, whether in our car or as we get, get out of the house or as we begin our day, to be able to speak, O Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. We need to live in such a way that when we know that when we open our mouth, God is listening. And we watch the words that come out of our mouth. Amen? Amen. Let's move on. We're going to bring this in for a landing. The third blessing from repentance is that it entangles you from a crowd mentality. See, the crowd is dangerous. Now, I want to share this with you real quick. There's a difference between a crowd and the crowd. See, a crowd, you can't avoid a crowd. You know, if you go to, uh, you know, you, you go to uh, the supermarket, there's, there's somewhat of a crowd. If you go to a Yankee game, there's a crowd, not so much a Met game. <laughs> Oops, I need to watch my words. <laughs> That's right, to tell the truth in church. Amen. But there's a difference between a crowd and the crowd. See, we all as a crowd went through COVID, right? But the crowd told us to believe the science. Okay, the crowd told us to live in fear. When you turned on your TV, the crowd was speaking propaganda. It was speaking psychological warfare. It began to get you, wear your mask, take the shot, get the booster, do this, do that. And and so the crowd tries to manipulate the crowd to join them. To, okay, the crowd says, believe the science. Okay, what's, here's the, The crowd is dangerous in two ways. The the crowd requires groupthink. That's the crowd. The crowd, in order to be a part of the crowd, it requires that you think the same way as they do. Okay? I want to show you how dangerous the crowd is. In Matthew chapter 27, verses 20 through 26, but the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowds, to ask for Barabbas and put Jesus to death. But the governor said to them, which one of the two do you want me to release to you? And they said, Barabbas. And Pilate said to them, then what shall I do with Jesus, who is called the Christ? And they all said, crucify him. And he said, why, what evil has he done? But they kept shouting all the more, crucify him. When Pilate saw that he was accomplishing nothing, but rather that a riot was starting, he took water and washed his hands in front of the cr- in front of the crowd, saying, "I am innocent of this man's blood. See to see to that yourselves." And all the people said, "His blood shall be on us and on our children." Then he released Barabbas for them, but after having Jesus scourged, he handed him over to be crucified. See, the crowd is dangerous in two ways. One, it requires groupthink. Let's look at, at um the crowd the crowd and what they believe okay and how they operate in groupthink. remember for two or three years they told us to believe the science well let's talk about abortion okay the crowd tells you that that's a woman's right to murder her offspring that's what the crowd tells you it's her body okay the crowd says Remember, they said, believe the science. Well, we now have 4D sonogram that when you look at a child now, you can see the child in 4D. You can see the shape of the child. You can see the looks of the child. You can see the fingers. You can see how it responds, how it jumps, how it laughs, how it sucks its thumb, how it responds to light, how it responds to voices. What's inside that, that, that womb now, according to the science, is a living being. But according to the crowd, it's not, a, it's not viable. And the, and the woman has the right to extinguish that child even up to the moment of birth. And here's this thing in California, 28 days after. Yeah, that's the crowd. Okay, so when you show them the science, no, the science only lasts for so long because the crowd dictates what's science and what's not science. Here's another one, the trans movement. Oh, we're gonna keep going. Okay, the trans movement. This is what the crowd is forcing upon a crowd. Okay, the trans movement, okay, where a man can now be a woman. The science says that if you have two X chromosomes, you are a woman. Science says that if you have an X chromosome and a Y chromosome, you are a man. The crowd says that you, not not you personally, don't don't get me wrong. I I didn't mean it in that way, but that a man can become a woman. That a man can become pregnant. That a man can have a menstrual cycle. That a girl can become a man. So... In order to operate in the crowd, you have to think and speak the same way as the crowd. Now now in order, when we because of repentance, what the Lord said to to, to um, Jeremiah is that basically they must turn to you, you must not turn to them. Or here's the other thing, you must, they, you must not turn into them, into them, they must be able to turn into. You see what we have is some people that call themselves pastor now that basically say the trans movement is a holiness movement. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, I saw it with my own eyes as I was watching uh, a, a certain people that I like to watch and they, and it came up and they showed. I was like, wow. Okay. But here's what happened. That person turned into them and turn to them, instead of that person, instead of being, turning away from them, and standing, and letting them turn to us. I wanna let you know, when repentance happens, when true repentance happens, when we, we get renewed, and, big and strong, and zealous, and the Holy Spirit begins to move, we'll begin to move out into the, into the crowd, we'll begin to speak the words of God, miracles will begin to happen, demons will manifest, we'll cast out demons, we will begin to show the power and authority of the name of Jesus Christ and we'll start to see revival among the crowd. So repentance has its benefits. See, we can be a weak church and we can watch the crowd destroy girls and boys To understand that they really want to capture preteens and teenagers and basically provide them sanctuary so that they can mutilate their bodies? The church has to rise up in authority but it's one thing to rise up in authority, we need to be able to show the power and demonstration of what we speak and what we believe, that when we speak, there's demonstration to show the power of Jesus Christ to deliver people from the power of darkness, amen? Because I want to let you know something, and this may peel your grape, Jesus loves the transsexual, okay? We have no idea what that person has gone through in their life, that they would literally alter the very appearance of their own body. The wounds inside them, the lies, the abuse, the abandonment, we have no idea, but Jesus does. And he loves that person. And he desires total restoration. And so if you want to say to the Lord, here I am, send me, and you want to go further than you ever went before, you have no idea where God can send you. But he will. If we'll repent and receive the benefits of what it means to truly repent and be used by God in the authority and power that Jesus Christ desires to display. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you for this season of repentance. We thank you that we're, that our pastor is in tune with what you desire to say and do. That he accept the example that I was allowed to follow. And so Lord, we ask that we we take this repentance, this season of repentance seriously. And Lord, we begin to walk in it. Lord, we don't know the direction. We know the things in our life that have to repent of, but we're weak. And Lord, it's not an excuse because you're strong and we need to tap into you. And so, Lord, we ask you that as we open the gift of repentance, give us the grace and strength to continue on the road. For the road is wide that leads to destruction, but the road is narrow that leads to eternal life. And, Lord, there's things in our lives that we can no longer carry as the road gets narrower. Help us to throw off the things that so easily entangle us. Give us the grace to walk with you on the narrow road. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.